Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Oddsmaker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're set to go against the spread once again for week number three of the National Football League season, week number four in college football, if you can believe it. With that, I'm going to welcome our co-host, Victor King from King Creole Sports. And the first thing I want to do is to congratulate Victor on a sweep in the totals tip sheet last week. I know a lot of smiling faces were in the King household this weekend. Well, you got that right. You know, we... uh kind of pushed the reset button figuratively, if you will, after a poor performance in week one. And, uh, hey, it worked out. Tuco's 2-0 and on the season. The tip sheet swept uh, 4-0 and with the NFL over-unders. So uh, I thought it would take us, you know, a couple of weeks to get back to, you know, over 500 for the year. But we did it in one week. So we can now move forward in the NFL with some more totals winners. And right back at you, Mark, I want to talk about Mark's Saturday in college football. Perfect 3-0 and with the college football plays. Another winning week with the college football in the playbook newsletter, including your nice four-star underdog game in the one month on uh, Air Force, plus the points uh, in, uh, I believe, an overtime fashion. But uh, nevertheless, a nice 3-0 and Saturday for uh, Mark's service. Well, thank you, Victor. I appreciate that. And uh, like we like to say here now on the show, at the top of the show, what I learned last week with that Air Force football play is the fact that military teams are the most counted upon teams in all of college football when it comes in underdog roles, especially when taking points on the road. And Air Force themselves as a football team has been outstanding. Now 20-4 and four to the spread. Taking points on the road is Air Force. You might want to look at them once again this week when they go into Boise to take on the Broncos at Boise State, who've gotten off to an undefeated start, despite the fact that Boise has had their troubles at home against the point spread since Brian Harson has taken over. So I did learn, after doing my homework, that the military teams are very, very good, dependable dogs in college football. What did you take from last week's card, Victor? What did you learn first and foremost? Well, I learned that uh, Nick Saban, grouchy, crabby Nick Saban, always kind of has... You know, something to gripe about, but in this case, who knows? Maybe he is right, but Alabama, of course, has been uh, griping in the last couple of days about early kickoff times, and Nick Saban is pointing out that it's not fair that the Crimson Tide get a lot more early afternoon starts compared to LSU in the SEC conference. Of course, they've got that game this week against Southern Mississippi, which is an 11 a.m local time and again Alabama is griping about the fact that they get a lot less night home games than rival LSU does uh, I've got the latest numbers if we want to take a look at it but before 6 p.m. local time starts Alabama 44 games LSU only 17 games after 6 p.m. starts Alabama 28 games LSU 55 games. So there's a little bit of a disparity, but what again I learned, Mark, was the fact that Nick Saban is always kind of griping about something. 
Yeah, he sure is. There's no question about that. Even in a perfect season, a perfect world, Nick Saban has still got something to complain about. I'm sure his wife obviously catches the brunt of all that. And talking about things to complain about, Victor, one of the things I also learned in the college football card is we have some phony 3-0 and football teams out there. And to set the table for that, uh, I may preface that by saying that uh, take a look at the Pac-12 conference. My goodness, they have six teams ranked in the top 25 this season. That equals the Southeast Conference. And it's the first time in over four years that they've had that many teams ranked in the top 25. So maybe perhaps the Pac-12 may be on their way back this football season here. One of those 3-0 and teams, or I should say two of those, entered into the top 25 this week, both California and Arizona State. Mm-hmm. And my comment on uh, the both of those two football teams is I believe they're both phony balonies, if you will. You take a look at California. Uh, and I do this as I log my stats every game, every week into my stat and logbook. And what jumps out to me is when teams win games and get out yarded in football contests, uh, that jumps out like a sore thumb to me. And I see a Wyoming, or I should say a California football team that's only out yarded one opponent thus far this year. That was California Davis, UC Davis. They've been out, <laughs> out, out my goodness, they were outgained against Washington and North Texas both. Uh, they're going to go to Mississippi this particular weekend in what might be a short price. I think they could end up being exposed in a football game like that. And we talked about Arizona State. Herm Edwards has got his team off to another good start this year at 3-0. and But I was not impressed with that win last week at Michigan State. Put up only 216 yards of offense and was out-yarded in the contest almost 200 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my, my quick take, Victor, on some 3-0 and football teams this week. What was your take? What did you learn about these undefeated or winless football teams to date so far? Well, first off, in, in regards to Arizona State, yes, that was a signature road win against a very, very good Michigan State team. That said, they only scored one touchdown in the game. It came at the most opportune time, I believe, with a minute left in the game. But as you mentioned, they got outstanding by almost 200 yards in the game. They're still 112th in the country in rushing yards per carry. And their other two wins were against Kent State and Sacramento State. So a little bit on the phony side, I would tend to agree with you there. Uh, some of the other 3-0 and teams, and we can go back and forth a little bit or, or not, whether or not these teams are legit. You got the Golden Gophers, who are 3-0 and again. That's a counterfeit. I don't believe that's very legit considering those wins have been against South Dakota State and Georgia Southern, in which they barely got by last week against Georgia Southern. Signature road win against Fresno State. I would kind of call Minnesota a little bit counterfeit, if you would. Also in the uh, Big Ten Conference, Iowa 3-0 this year with wins over Miami, Rutgers, and Iowa State. I would say they're a little bit more legit than the Golden Gophers are, Mark. But, uh, uh, a Florida team, this is a team I want to bounce off you. Are they semi-legit or not with their 3-0 and record? You're talking Central Florida, I would guess, correct? Well, I want to talk about two Florida schools, the oh, Florida okay. Gators <laughs> and Central Florida, absolutely. All right, well, uh, first off, Central Florida, since uh, we called them out, the fact that they won a big, big football game last week against Stanford and give them their due. Yes, I think they are legit, the Knights, and if for no other reason – I mean, my goodness, it's been 
two plus years that they've not lost a regular season football game. They have a, a, as good a winning record as better than any team in college football. They call themselves the national champions. Uh, the year they did just that in 2017, their last year with Scott Frost, uh, when they weren't uh, invited to the college football playoffs, despite going 13 and 0 on the season that rather motivated them in that Auburn football game, but they proved their worth. Uh, last week at uh, home against Stanford, uh, they ran up 545 yards and beat them by almost 200 yards on the field. So I would say, yes, indeed, Central Florida is legit. Now, the Florida Gators might be another story. Uh, you're talking about a football team that just lost their starting quarterback of Felipe Franks. And I right. think that's going to ultimately end up hurting the team in the long end. You can argue whether or not he is a, uh, a one of the better quarterbacks in college football. I think he will be playing in the National Football League, probably off the bench, but he's got that National Football League uh, prototype quarterback. He drops back, he throws, he's got a rocket arm, big size and everything, so forth and whatnot. But now they got to go to the, the backup quarterback and Kyle Trask was a nice story all into itself. Uh, he decided not to transfer out, stuck it out with the program, and now he inherits the job for the Gators. But the Gators in their wins this year, Victor, you take a look, their two wins against FBS teams, they beat Miami of Florida and they beat Kentucky and failed to beat the spread in both of those football games. Yes. You know, that's an indicator to me that the football team is not playing at least up to what Vegas uh, sees them as, the Vegas standards here. So I would call UCF legit, and I would call Florida a bit of a fraud. In regards to uh, UCF, it's uh, it's it's kind of uh, spectacular how it doesn't really matter who plays a quarterback for them. It could be, uh, let me see, Mackenzie Milton, Daryl Mack, Brandon Wimbush, the transfer from Notre Dame, and now even the freshman, Dylan Gabriel. The offense just tends to roll. Uh, another team down here that's 3-0 that I would call at least legit enough to win their division would be Virginia 3-0 and with wins over Pitt and Florida State amongst their resume. And uh, to kind of watch them flail at the end against Florida State last Saturday night was uh, uh, a little bit rough to watch. They missed extra point that looked like it might be fatal in that particular game. But in the end, of course, the Bronco Mendenhall makeover of the Virginia program uh, to not self-destruct kind of one out which basically triggered a field storming in that game. I think that Virginia is at least legit enough to win the Coastal Division of the ACC. And another team I can consider legit from the Big 12 Conference would be the Cowboys of Oklahoma State with wins over Oregon State and Tulsa amongst their three wins. And this is one of those typical Mike Gundy teams, very unheralded in the preseason and now basically looking like a problem for the rest of the Big 12. So I would uh, keep them healthy, and uh, the Cowboys are definitely legit, if you ask me. One more note on what we've learned, Victor, before we move it over to the NFL side of things this week. Uh, I'll throw this note out there that the midweek alert, uh, its first publication of the year, comes out this week and putting it together this week, going through the stat logs. And to me, it's the daily racing form of football newsletters. You can follow each team's progression statistically and how they're performing head-to-head against other football teams on the playing field along with their records uh, in our stat logs, our unique stat logs. And doing the midweek alert this week, I found a team that uh, is what I would call a 100% total phony baloney. And that would have to be Wyoming, the Cowboys. Uh, if you take a look at what they've done thus far this football season here, uh, you know they reside in the Mountain West Conference where I think they're going to be soon, soon to be exposed 
They've go opened up three and zero this football season here, but they've been out yarded all three football games by an average of more than a hundred yards a contest. Now that's in direct opposite parallel, if you will, to last year when the Purdue Boilermakers opened up the season zero and three. If you recall that, with three home losses, yet they out yarded all three of those opponents. You knew the worm was going to turn with Purdue, and it did in a big way when they hosted Boston College and dressed up a six-point home dog after that uh, phony inside-out start, and they beat them 30-13 to straight up on the field, did Purdue. I think the same thing happens to Wyoming this particular season here, and perhaps even so this week. Uh, they're not playing all that good of a defensive football team in Tulsa, but the bottom line here is I think Wyoming could be exposed as one of those phony balonies. But mm-hmm. you can check it out in the midweek alert, Victor. The first one is due Wednesday. It's going to come out Wednesday. And I have hit on Wyoming in the midweek alert for a lot of these reasons. You can check that out when you download the copy online at playbook.com. You're tuned into Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. Victor, let's go over to the National Football League side of things. And I know you learned a lot on the National Football League card last week when it appeared to me that the over-under totals were really a snore fest, if you will. And uh, is I, I'm going to ask you that question. What did you learn from that? Is it atypical? Is it usual uh, to see these low-scoring football games, much like we saw last week or not? No, it is not usual. In fact, uh, let us run through the numbers since we do have the aid of our playbook database. And first off, I know that uh, you are a dog guy. So after two weeks of the season, dogs are basically right down the middle, 16 and 15 against the spread. That's NFL underdogs through two weeks. However, home dogs, four and nine against the spread. Road dogs, those are the ones that have been profitable, hitting at 67%. Road dogs in the NFL through two weeks, 12 and 6 ATS. But I do want to touch on the totals. And last week was as low scoring a week in the NFL as you are going to see out of the 16 games 13 of them went under the total. That's three overs, 13 games under the total. The average combined points per game was 10 point less than in week one, only 38.6. Now that's unheard of in this new era of the NFL in which the average score is somewhere around 48 points to see a week that is 10 points less across the board. Yes, that's the definitely major. And you know, if you're a, over only better in the NFL, then your bankroll basically took a major hit. We want to remind all listeners and all readers of our totals newsletter that remember a sharp OU better is going to balance out his overs with unders and in many cases, even more unders than overs. So now we're two weeks through the NFL season, 12 overs, 20 unders, And I've got a little bit of a theory as to what's going on, the reason why. And this actually takes us all the way back into the preseason. But I don't know if you remember, but during the offseason, the NFL made the decision to enforce offensive holding penalties much more strictly going forward. And while I thought it was noteworthy at the time, I didn't think too much of it because the NFL does have a history of emphasizing specific penalties prior to the season and throughout the preseason, basically only to see those flags return to the status quo once the real games begin. So I didn't think too much about it at the time. However, 
that's not been the case now. Uh, there were 92 flags for offensive holding in week two that just occurred over the weekend here. For comparison purposes, there were only 45 in week two of last year. That's double the amount of offensive holding flags. Largely the result being the point of emphasis on the backside blocking. And if you watched the first two weeks of the season, there were numerous touchdowns that were called back because of offensive holding penalties. So the first two weeks of last season, there were 107 offensive holding penalties. First two weeks of this season, 2019, 174. So we are talking an increase of just about 63% more offensive holding penalties. And that could very uh-huh. well be one of the one of the reasons that there have been more unders than overs. And let me throw one more thing at you. We're in an era in the NFL right now in which starters, first string starters on an NFL team play less in the preseason than they ever have before in the past. Heck, there's whole teams that rest their entire starters for the entire four-week NFL preseason, like the Rams, teams like that. So my theory is that with less starters playing in the preseason, these first couple of games of the regular season is more of an acclimation period of guys getting used to each other. Since we didn't get a lot of playing time in the preseason, we're going to get some of those mistakes out of the way in terms of offensive penalties in the first few weeks of the regular season. So again, this goes back to the rule change that they made and what occurred in the preseason these days when starters hardly play at all. And again, that's my theory as to why we have seen more unders and overs in the first two weeks of the season. And I'd like to get uh, uh, your opinion on that. That's a good take, Victor, about the holding calls in the National Football League and how they're setting the table for these under plays that we've seen thus far. And it remains to be seen whether or not the laundry will continue to be thrown on the field in football games because, one, the league doesn't like to see games delayed by penalties and uh, reviews, uh, so forth, the one that adds to the time and the delay of the football game. And, two, the National Football League is all about offense. They're all about excitement. They're all about scoring touchdowns and keeping the fans engaged all throughout the football game. So I'm going to only suspect that that may end up reverting itself here sooner than later, much sooner than later, when we might end up seeing some more higher scoring football games coming down the road as opposed to what we just saw here in the past this particular week. One other take, Victor, that I have on uh, what I learned about the National Football League last week is our Miami Dolphins are one pathetic football team. <laughs> beyond pathetic, okay? If there's a word that uh, yeah. is deeper deeper in the thesaurus than beyond pathetic, it would say, see the Miami Dolphins, is what it would say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they, they're so bad, Victor. They're last in the league in offense. They're last in the league in defense. And their offense scored one touchdown last week, and their offense gave up two touchdowns last week. <laughs> you can't count on an offense giving up more scores than they allow in a football game. It's just a really, right. really sad situation going on down here. And we all know what's going on about yep. the tanking and building for the future. Uh, I think what they're doing, honestly, is they're setting a parallel, the same thing that they see the Cleveland Browns and what they did right. when they when they stored up all these top draft picks and rebuilt the roster and built rebuilt a really solid roster, a contending roster. And I think that's Miami's M.O. right now. 
now going on. They really don't care. They could care less about who's on this year or who's on the roster this football season here. I think anybody and everybody is available. You know, we saw that when Minka Fitzpatrick was traded to the Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Steelers. Uh, we're, we're likely to see Rashad Jones, uh, their other uh, Pro Bowl defensive back, gone here sooner than later. But, you right. know, the bottom line is it's all leading to favorites of 20 or more points in the National Football League. We're going to see more of them this year than we've seen at any time ever in National Football League history. And in fact, I tweeted this out this morning on Wednesday as we do the podcast, that uh, this week will be the first time since 1987 uh, during the strike year uh, that we will have a pair of 20-point favorites playing in the National Football League on the same week. Now, that back in the strike year, that was when San Francisco was a 23-point favorite against Atlanta in a scab game where Atlanta plays all their replacements and San Francisco had their stars crossing the line, Joe Montana, uh, at all the, the the star football players they played the scab against the scabs they were twenty three point favorites that same week Dallas was a twenty one and a half point favorite against Philadelphia and they played their the regular players in Philadelphia did not neither of those favorites by the way covered the spread we'll see what happens this week when both Miami and the New York Jets dress up as twenty point dogs this particular week. Uh, and with that, Victor, I'm going to hand it right back to you for one more item that you may have want to pass along to our listeners about what you learned on the football card in the NFL last week. Well, my two cents, tanking for two is definitely, in fact, down here in South Florida. And as you mentioned, Miami saw what Cleveland did. It took them a couple of years, but uh, it appears they are on the right track. And in fact, Cleveland sacrificed a very intelligent, very analytical general manager in Sashi Brown to further their their cause, perhaps unjustifiably so, but uh, that is what happened with the Cleveland Browns. And uh, to parallel another sport, you saw what happened with the Philadelphia 76ers in the NBA. They basically tanked for about a three-year period. <clears throat> they kind of finally got to, you know, where they wanted to be. Let's not forget that they took the uh, eventual NBA champion Toronto Raptors to a full seven games last season and have now won 50 games consecutively for two years in a row. So they might be on the right track, but it sure is ugly down here in South Florida. It's no more fins up. It's definitely fins down, if you will. The paper bags will be uh, worn on the head here uh, for the next home game. That is for sure. Can you imagine paying season ticket prices, right. uh, full sick, full uh, price to watch these Miami Dolphins uh, to play this football season all season long? I think management has got to address that issue as well. Well, and then uh, in terms of what did we learn in the NFL? Well, you know, we probably couldn't do a show these days, at least the first portion of our show, without some sort of a rant. And in this case, another Antonio Brown rant. So... Uh, You know, there's already another incident, a second incident, a second sexual misconduct incident that's on the boards in regards to Antonio Brown in June of 2017, a charity auction in which uh, he had an issue with a female artist and basically had a sexual misconduct incident uh, in regards to that. So we've already got a second case in line in regards to Antonio Brown and also, let's not forget that, you know, he's got an apartment down here in, in, in South Florida, the Miami area. And I remembered in 2018, last year, he had that incident where he threw a bunch of furniture out of a 14th floor apartment in Florida in basically a fit of rage. There's still a lawsuit pending by the building landlord, as well as the family of a 22-month-old boy that was almost hit by freaking falling furniture. 
walking with his <laughs> grandfather. So there's yeah. my rant. We, we couldn't do a show without another Antonio Brown rant. Mark, what do you got to say? Well, director, don't crank me up when it comes to Antonio Brown because uh, <laughs> it's not hard to get the juices flowing when you're talking about that despicable human being. Not only is there a second uh, assault charge against him or uh, a discrimination, sexual discrimination charge, and I'm not at all surprised. I don't think you are, and I'm sure there's going to be more forthcoming because when you're a leopard, you're never going to change your spots. It's all going to eventually come out in the wash, and it's coming out with him right now. I'm glad the National Football League got to, was able to sit down and interview the lady who is suing him right now, his college sweetheart, uh, who is now suing him for rape, because they're going to now they have fodder, now they have material, now they can rest his ass and tell him to sit down on the bench and let's straighten this whole thing out here. I was ready to throw up last Sunday when I was watching the NFL today in the pregame show, and they were uh, addressing the Miami Dolphin New England Patriots game, and James Brown came on and had to say that uh, the big news in Miami today is that Antonio Brown is going to be in the lineup for the New England Patriots. And with that, I'm going to introduce my co-hosts and all four of us co-hosts, and they talked about the fact that a uh, good time for New England that Antonio Brown is back in the lineup. It was disgusting to see that they were welcoming back to the National Football League rather than calling him out for what he is, and that is a, a despicable human being. I just only hope his day comes, and it's going to come sooner than later, and we're not going to have to talk anymore about Antonio Brown in the National Football League. We can talk about Antonio Brown and what prison he's residing in here sooner than later. That's my take. I'm sorry if I'm pushing the envelope right. again, again with this guy, but uh, obviously it's how I feel. Hey, guys, don't go away. When we come back, Dicker and I, we're going to go over the National or College Football League side of things, our College Football Game of the Week. We're going to tear down a beauty inside the Big Ten Conference when Michigan takes on Wisconsin. We're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. It's time to experience the all-new Playbook Experts VIP Experience. Only the Playbook Experts VIP Experience offers We Pay the Juice, Conflict Game Notices, Tokens Bonuses, SMS Alerts, and Genius Game Alerts. It's the only customer experience of its kind. To find out more about becoming a Playbook Experts VIP, log on today at playbook.com or call toll-free for more information at 1-800-PLAYBOOK. Become a VIP this football season with your Playbook Experts VIP membership. Welcome back, everybody. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread in this week's College and Pro Football card. It's time once again for our featured college football game of the week, and we've got a beauty on tap inside the Big Ten Conference when Wisconsin plays host to Michigan in a battle of two Big Ten giants. Victor, your take on the Badgers and the Wolverines this Saturday. Right. Now, here's a game. I mean, uh, Iowa, Iowa State was fun. The outcome was fun last week, but here's a. that's what I'm talking about. Michigan and Wisconsin uh, game is a, I believe, a noon kickoff there, and uh, the over/under line of the game, boy, it's already gone down. I'm showing that it opened at 47, and as we record the show here on Wednesdays, it's down to 43. That's a four-point swing, and that's big. So if you're in the value, boy, the value's basically actually on the over. If you bet the under at 47, you got yourself a really good number in this. But we're down to 43 right now, and with two outstanding defenses. Remember, a defensive 
uh, uh, defensive uh, turnover that results in a quick score, that's could be the difference between the over or the under hitting in this particular game. The series has actually been slightly higher scoring than you might think. Five out of the last seven meetings between Michigan and Wisconsin have gone over the total. The average line, 49.6. Average score, 51.6. So the average game has gone over by two points. But, again, with an average line of 49.6, you're seeing this week's line almost a full touchdown less at 43 points. Both teams come in with one and one over under records on the season. Michigan went over against Middle Tennessee State in game one under last uh, their, their second game against Army. Uh, even a game that went into overtime still stayed under the total in overtime. For Wisconsin, they went under in game one against South Florida. Of course, we all know they've got two shutout wins. They won that one 49-0. They did go over in game two against Central Michigan, again in shutout fashion, 61-0. So, again, both teams come in with identical one and one over under records on the season. Uh, we don't know about being tested yet. That is for sure. Wisconsin has a hole hasn't been tested yet, but the defensive backs are about to be pushed more than they were against uh, USF and central Michigan as well. And, you know, Michigan's passing game has had their whiffs, but it's been okay. What I will say is very tough to get a handle on this Michigan team offensively with the new offensive coordinator in mind. We do know that both teams had an extra week to prepare. They're both coming in with a, uh, a week of rest. And on the other side, the Michigan run defense could very well be a rock. They'll be going against Taylor, against Wisconsin. You know, lost in that close call in the Army game was the fact that the D actually worked. That great Army rushing attack was held to only 200 yards. That's a low rushing output for an Army team. And they only averaged 3.3 yards per carry against Michigan in that game. So if Wisconsin is going to win this game against Michigan, it could very well be through the air rather than the legs of a Jonathan Taylor. And on the flip side, I know Michigan, again, hasn't been sharp enough. One thing that's very concerning is that they're getting flagged more than eight times per game. They've lost five fumbles in two games. They're not generating enough tackles for a loss. So, again, like Wisconsin, a tough team to call offensively. If you ask me, Mark, this game has got like 24 to 20 or 24 to 21 written all over it. And that's right around where the line is for this particular game. I'm going to pass at 47. Uh, I had a slight opinion on the under at 43, and it could go down, in fact, folks, to 42, even 41 range. If you're into value, the value would be on the over. As it is right now, I'm going to pass in the game, and I'm going to eagerly anticipate which way you're going to be going in regards to the favorite or the dog. Well, Victor's going to pass in the game because of the total. No value in the game, no play for Victor here. Uh, at 43 points as we do the podcast, perhaps 42 when they play Saturday, definitely a no play, but he'll watch the game along with me, and I think this is really going to be perhaps arguably the best game on the college football card Saturday. Some people might think Notre Dame and Georgia, but I think this game uh, is really a pairing of two football teams that are really, really uh, know one another because they reside in the Big Ten Conference and both bring a lot to the table. Michigan comes into this football game here just 1-6 and six to the spread when playing with rest. And 
0-6 to the spread in their third game of the season here. Uh, they're going into revenge in this football game. Uh, they beat Wisconsin last football season here, 38-13. to They're just 3-7 and to the spread when the Big Ten opponent has revenge against the Michigan Wolverines. We called this out in the Playbook Football Newsletter this week, and I think this is the, the tipping scale in this football game, if you will. If you take a look at statistically of what the Wolverines have done this year, or I should basically say what they haven't done this year, is they rank number 130 dead last in the country in fumbles lost per game. They're losing 2.5 fumbles per game. They rank number 114 in the country in penalties per game at 8.56. That's tied with Florida State, who is really, really amongst the worst teams in all of college football, at least Willie Taggart is a head coach when it comes to penalties per game. This is becoming a very, very undisciplined Michigan football team. They're just not getting a grasp on the offense here, and they're wigging out. It's costing them um, all around the field, fumbles, penalties, so forth and whatnot. They're not being well coached this football season. There's no denying that. I think Jim Harbaugh could well be on the hot seat if not at the end of this football game, but when he plays Ohio State and loses again this year here, it could be Sayonara for Jim Harbaugh up at the big house in Michigan there. Who, by the way, Harbaugh, since he's been with Michigan, he's been an underdog six times. He's lost all six football games on the scoreboard wow. and beat the spread only two times. So he's not good in this particular role taking points Jim Harbaugh with the Michigan Wolverines. On the flip side, look at this thing statistically here. Here comes Wisconsin, number one ranked team in the nation in red zone offense, number one ranked team in the nation in pass efficiency defense, and number one ranked team in the nation in time of possession. When you keep the ball for as long as Wisconsin does in football games and they just pound it down your throat, it wears defenses out. And that's the reason why they've uh, not only they're two and all this football season, they haven't allowed a point thus far this football season here. They're a team coming in up back to back shutout wins in our database. Teams that are playing at home as a favorite of back to back shutout wins are 14 and two straight up, nine, six and one against the spread. And this is also, as I mentioned, big time revenge for Paul Christ, the head coach, who, by the way, with Wisconsin, when he has revenge, he's gone five and one to the spread at home, uh, it, taking a look at him that way. And the bottom line to me, it was the worst loss that Paul Christ has suffered with the Wisconsin Badgers in that 38 to 13 loss. I would normally be on Michigan in a heartbeat here, good quality teams taking points. I just don't like the way that they're playing football this year. I think the favorite in this football team is a legitimate favorite in the football game. And I'm going to lean to Wisconsin and lay the points against the Michigan Wolverines. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I tear apart our National Football League Game of the Week. We've got a beauty between the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll hop also out to Las Vegas and get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. All new Playbooks tokens are here. Only at Playbook.com can you earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbooks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbooks tokens, you can use them for Playbook Experts picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbooks tokens, do so now. Simply visit Playbook.com and click on the Tokens link. It's that easy. That's the all-new Playbucks tokens waiting for you at Playbook.com. 
If you haven't seen Andy Isco's The Logical Approach Football Newsletter, then you owe it to yourself to download this week's newsletter in time for the football games this week. Andy's statistical and fundamental take on every week's football card is comprehensive and visionary. Many say it's like money in the bank. Check out the new issue every week at TheLogicalApproach.com. See what winning football information is all about at TheLogicalApproach.com. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread on this National Football League and College Football cards this weekend. It's time for our NFL Game of the Week, a top game on tap, no doubt about it, when the Kansas City Chiefs play host to the Baltimore Ravens. Victor, your take on the Ravens and the Chiefs this Sunday at Arrowhead Stadium. Well, this is definitely the NFL Game of the Week. That is for sure. A couple of undefeateds playing each other in Kansas City. In terms of the over-under, this is very, very similar to the college game that we talked about earlier in the program and similar in that the value has been sucked out of it. If you were fortunate to play this game over the total at the opening line of 51 and a half, then man, you are way ahead of the curve. And I say, good luck to you. Now, the reason we say that is because as again, we record the show on Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon, the over-under line has jumped up a full three points down to 54 and a half. I'm even seeing some 55s out there. So again, if we think this game is going to be high scoring and and who doesn't, well, we've already lost four points of value off the opening number. I kind of wish I had played it at that 51 and a half, but I didn't. Here we are now. It's Wednesday. It's 55. And there's not a heck of a lot of value on this game over the total. Could they account for 60 or more points? They certainly can, Uh, particularly when you take a look at the quarterbacks in this particular matchup. You know, there's only three quarterbacks through two weeks that have a QBR of over 90. And for comparison purposes, the average quarterback in the NFL has a QBR of around 58.0. So to see three quarterbacks over 90 in this QBR ranking is phenomenal. Number one is actually Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm very impressed with what the Dallas has done. Anybody has to be, particularly with the new offensive coordinator in Dallas, Kellen Moore, who I believe was the uh, quarterback at Boise State University, now calling the plays and turning Dak Prescott into basically an all-pro quarterback. But forget about Dak for a minute. Number two and number three in QBR are Patrick Mahomes at 92.5 and Lamar Jackson of Baltimore at 90.0. Talk about a big-time jump from first year to second year. What a maturation for Lamar Jackson. Here's the funny thing for me in regards to it is the fact that Greg Roman, the Baltimore offensive coordinator, the guy who's calling the plays for Baltimore, is a run-first guy, has always been a run-first guy. It's one of the reasons I drafted uh, Mark Ingram in two different fantasy leagues as my stud running back. And I think he'll still have a good season and all that, but Lamar Jackson is lighting it up, passing the ball in an offense that you think would be run first in regards to the, uh, over under records on the season, both teams, one and one to start the year, the Ravens, of course, we're down here in South Florida in week one. They went over the total by 18 points in that 59-10 to 10 win over the Dolphins. 
And last week's home game against Arizona looked like it would be extremely high scoring as both teams uh, put up points fairly early, but it ended up staying under the total by six points that home game against Arizona. For the Chiefs, the first game of the season was on the road against Jacksonville, and that was a great indicator of how fantastic this Kansas City offense was. You know, the reigning MVP, Mahomes, he ran into an elite defense on the road in their first week of the season, and they still put up 40 points against the Jacksonville Jaguars, a game that went over by 17 points. Last week's game was a weird one in Oakland. Here the Chiefs got shut out in the first quarter, scored 28 points in the second quarter on four Patrick Mahomes TD passes, and got shut out in the third and fourth quarter. That's a weird game. At one point, it looked like the over was going to hit easy in this Chiefs-Raiders game, but it did not. It ended up going under the total by about 15 points. So a lot of volatility in regards to over-under numbers. What we do know from doing our research in the totals tip sheet, Mark, is that Kansas City is also is actually one of the top under-home teams in the NFL over the last, oh, six or seven seasons. They've gone 21 and 50 in their last 71 home games. They've gone 12 and 35 over-under at home when the over-under line is 42 or more points. That's actually 75% of their home games that have gone under the total. Even last year, a year in which they scored 35 points per game on offense, a year in which they allowed 26 points per game on defense, they went 3-5 and five over under at home. So the Chiefs have actually been a fairly consistent and very profitable home team in regards to unders. What I do know that Baltimore is a fairly big underdog in this game, here you have an undefeated team, and they are getting close to a touchdown. In the last three seasons, when pegged as underdogs of five or more points, the Ravens have gone a perfect 6-0 and over-under. From our database, most of the numbers point to a high-scoring game. Uh, in the last three seasons, game three home favorites in the NFL, who started the season with back-to-back -back road games like the Chiefs, have gone actually 9-1 and over-under. 90% over the total. Also, game threes in the NFL with a very high over-under line of 54 or more points have gone 5-1. and one. I'm going to lean over the game, but again, Mark, a lot of the value has been sucked out with the line currently up to 54.5 to 55. Uh, the over also might be worthy in a teaser. I would consider perhaps a underdog and the over teaser in this particular game. If you are going to bet the over, just remember that a lot of the value has been taken away from us in this particular game, but we'll still lean in that direction. Once again, it's all about value as the name of the game when it comes to handicapping football. Victor leans over the total with the value having been stripped out of the football game as we speak on the podcast here, but nonetheless, his lean goes to the over in this football game. Talking about the Baltimore Ravens, a football team, if you take a look at uh, what they've done in their first two games of the season here. What really jumps out to me, Victor mentioned how improved Lamar Jackson is as a passer this year. They've also managed to rush the football for 265 and 182 yards in their first two football games. And the reason I'm calling that out here is to set the table for a key, in my mind, in taking down the Kansas City Chiefs. 
And the first factor is keeping Patrick Mahomes on the bench. If you can run the football and control the line of scrimmage, control the clock, the time of possession, you have a good chance of keeping Patrick Mahomes on the bench where he can't hurt you because he's definitely a lethal quarterback, no question. So, too, is Lamar Jackson a lethal quarterback, vastly improved over last year when he went into Kansas City and lost 27-24 to here as a six-point dog early in December. So he's not going to be intimidated at all by playing at Arrowhead Stadium, where it's said to be the most difficult stadium to play as far as crowd noise is concerned. Lamar Jackson has been here before and done just that. Break him down, Lamar Jackson, in his career in the National Football League. The visiting team in his career is 9-1 and one against the spread. His head coach, John Harbaugh, has been absolutely terrific in the month of September, taking points. He's 7-2 and two against the spread in his career, 4-0 and oh when coming off a win in that particular role. He also brings, Harbaugh does, the number two-ranked defense in the National Football League, number one ranked in the preseason in scoring defense when they allowed only 8.8 points per game. This defense is legitimate for the Baltimore Ravens. Take a look at the red-hot Kansas City Chiefs, a team that everybody has in the championship game against New England, and it might be hard to deny that, but that's not on Baltimore's mind when they come into this contest. Andy Reid, in his career in the National Football League, head-to-head against the AFC West, he's just 7-14 and 14 to the spread. 2-9 when the opponent comes in off a win. The Chiefs have scored an NFL record 25 or more points, 22 straight games coming into this particular contest here. Not a lot of teams are slowing them down, and if someone does slow them down, it most likely will be a team that has the makeup of Baltimore and their defense as they bring into this football game. Another thing that perplexes me about Kansas City is a football team that, if you like it, last six plus years, this team is 69 and 36 straight up on the scoreboard, but they're only 48 and 57 in the stats. They, that means that they've won the stats 48 times. They've been outsatted 57 times despite winning 69 of those football games. They make you want to pull your hair out, but that's what Kansas City seems to do best. I'm going to take the points with Baltimore here and John Harbaugh, who, as I mentioned, is good coaching numbers. He's also 16-7-1 and one of the spread in his career when he's on the road with revenge, including 7-0-1, his last eight road games on the road with revenge. John Harbaugh, give me Baltimore plus the points against Kansas City on Sunday. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And it's time for one of the most popular features on our show as we hop out to Las Vegas and join in with our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, with the National Football League season well underway right now, I'm going to ask you how your football season has gone so far and whether or not you are enjoying the games. Well, for the most part, Mark, I am enjoying the games, although once again, the officiating seems to disrupt the flow of so many of these games and the NFL really starting to have a problem on its hand with the officials having too much of an impact and displaying too much inconsistency. As far as the season itself, it's gotten off to a so-so start, but that's not unusual. As I frequently mention, as I frequently anticipate, there are more questions that come up over the first couple of weeks of the season than we get answers. After about two to three weeks, we start to learn the team's identity. We have validation of what we believed or what we thought were the team's strengths and weaknesses and areas of concern and areas of depth. 
and going forward, if we can get out of September, I, I usually say if I can get out of September pretty much unscathed, then I'm very much looking forward to the rest of the season, uh, feeling that I have a good sense uh, of uh, how things are going to unfold, whether it be in the colleges or in the pros, of course, in colleges, month of September for a large part is greatly like preseason football because, and not to the extent that you don't play your players, but you're playing non-conference games. You're playing a lot of the FCS schools that uh, you clearly outmatch, and you look for teams that may struggle against some of those FCS teams, and some of those struggles carry over to once they start getting at the conference play. So I'm looking forward to uh, a very entertaining and uh, hopefully a very successful and profitable uh, balance of this season. Andy, as you mentioned, getting out of the month of September unscathed, that might also be the opinion of Antonio Brown these days, depending upon what happens to him outside of the National Football League. That was part of our little bit of our rant earlier on in the football show, but I have to let that go as he's in the rearview mirror right now as we speak. What I do know, Andy, is I took a look at your logical approach newsletter this morning here, and it was interesting to note that you hit on the fact about breaking teams down in the NFL on how teams do that start out the season 0-2 and or 2-0, and and if you would briefly, if you would let our listeners know a little bit about your touch on that particular subject inside the Logical Approach newsletter this week. Well, Mark, a lot has been made over the years of teams starting 0-2 having a very small chance of making the playoffs, and in fact, if you go back about a decade or so, it's about 12 or 13 percent of the teams that start 0-2 actually recovering and being able to have success over the final 14 games to make the playoffs, whether it be as a wild card or in some instances as a divisional champions. And this year we've had, uh, was it, nine teams that started 0-2. And usually you can expect from that group one, possibly two, to be able to turn things around. And interestingly enough, the two teams that seemed most likely to turn things around are teams that are being affected by injuries. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers started 0-2, but their chances have been greatly compromised uh, by the uh, season-ending injury to Ben Roethlisberger. Carolina started 0-2, and uh, their chances are compromised by reports now that Cam Newton not fully healthy. And in fact, in most places, that game this week where they're traveling to Arizona has been uh, taken off the board. And once uh, Newton's status is clarified... Wouldn't be surprised to see Arizona maybe go off as a slight one-point favorite, possibly even a pick if he's not available. If he is available, I'm expecting Carolina probably to be uh, where they were when it came down, which is about a two-and-a-half to a uh, three-point road favorite. So looking at the teams that started 0-2, it's hard to really find a convincing case. Uh, maybe you can make a case for uh, a team like Denver because of their defense, although their offense leaves an awful lot to be desired. Hard to make any case for Miami, the Giants, and the Jets. Uh, even Washington, uh, it's a stretch to make a case. Cincinnati, there's some possibility there, but they uh, destroyed a lot of the uh, positive momentum they gained with their good effort in Seattle with that ugly effort last week. And then you go back to Jacksonville, who uh, made a playoff team, 12 wins uh, two years ago, 2017. It all fell apart last year. So it's hard to find a team in that group that started out 0-2 that you can make a, a comfortable case for right now as turning things around. On the other hand, you've got teams that started 2-0, and and the surprising fact there is you'd think that uh, a lot of those teams would make the playoffs, and yet historically, going back over the last decade or so, it's only about, uh, about 54-55%, meaning about five of the nine teams that start 2-0 and uh, would end up uh, making the playoffs, meaning that four of those fast starters should not. And if you take a look at the teams that have played extremely well, you know, you look at the, the AFC where you've got... Uh, 
uh, Baltimore, Buffalo, New England, and Kansas City all 2-0. and And if you figure, well, maybe half that group's not going to make it, you almost by default have to eliminate Baltimore and Buffalo only because you really can't eliminate uh, Kansas City and New England. But I can make a case for all four of those teams. I like this Baltimore team. I've liked them uh, throughout the offseason. And I'm not all that surprised that Buffalo has started as well as they have. And keep in mind that Buffalo, along with San Francisco and the NFC, have won both of their first two games on the road. That's one of the things that, by the way, does work against Carolina. Uh, One of those 0-2 teams I mentioned, both of their losses came at home. That's very difficult to overcome. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas, and I encourage our listeners out there to download a copy of his weekly football newsletter. You can do so online at TheLogicalApproach.com. And with that, Andy, it's time for a review, if you will, of what's going on in the major contest in Las Vegas. I'm speaking specifically of the Westgate, the Circa, and the Golden Nugget. Do you have updates for our listeners out there this week? I do, and in fact, uh, let's just start with the Golden Nugget because that's the one contest that we really can't go through consensus plays because basically the entire board is available for the uh, contestants. Uh, You pick seven games a week, unlike the other contests where you pick five. And in the Golden Nugget, it's a college and pro uh, contest where you pick uh, seven selection sides only, no totals. And so that leaves a lot of possibilities out there. So uh, rather than look at the consensus, I'll just indicate that of the first 14 selections, there are two contestants in the uh, Golden Nugget contest who have uh, accumulated a total of 12 out of a possible 14 points. And believe those records are 12 and 2. I don't think there were any pushes involved there. You have one contestant at 11 and a half and nine contestants at 11. So a very strong start for the top of the leaderboard in the Golden Nugget. Uh, turning to the uh, very popular widespread contests of the Super Contest at the uh, uh, Westgate Las Vegas, uh, we've had two weeks of play. The consensus, which started 3 and 2, uh, with uh, week one's results went three and two in week two. I will mention at the outset the uh, the game involving the Cleveland Browns and New York Jets presented a very unusual situation this week, this past week, because of when the various contests released their uh, contest lines. The Westgate released their contest lines Wednesday afternoon, usually around 5 p.m. Pacific. The Circa contest, which is almost a mirror of the Westgate contest, opens uh, or releases their, their lines around 10 a.m. Pacific time on Thursday. Well, the key there is that uh, early Thursday morning, it became known that Sam Darnold had mononucleosis and was not going to be available uh, for the New York Jets. As a result, the betting line, which had Cleveland a two-and-a-half-point road favorite, immediately shot up to a six-point to six-and-a-half-point road favorite for Cleveland. That occurred before the Cleveland, before the uh, Circa released their contest lines. As a result, in the Westgate, the contestants had the Browns two and a half over the New York Jets. And in the circuit contest, the Browns were six and a half over the New York Jets. And I bring that up because what appeared to be a very obvious uh, strategy for the contest indeed turned out to be exactly that. Of the 3,300 plus contestants in the Supergate Classic Contest, that's the traditional one, the $1,500 entry fee, 2,053, basically a third of the entire field, took the Cleveland Browns laying the two and a half 
only 46 contestants decided to uh, buck the trend and take the Jets plus the two and a half. That's about as huge a differential as you're probably ever going to see, certainly in the history of the contest. Uh, one, the fact that, one, that two-thirds of the contestants were on one side, I believe, is a record as all. Obviously, that was the number one consensus play of the week. That won, as did the uh, number two selection, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the number three selection uh, was the um, – uh, let me get this over here. Uh, we, well, I'm sorry. We had a tie for the second selection. That's where I'm a little slow here. The Steelers and Cowboys were tied for the second most popular selection. They went one and one, Cowboys covering, Steelers not covering. Uh, the uh, number uh, four selection, Cincinnati Bengals, that was a losing selection. And the L.A. Rams were the number five selection, which was a winner. So the consensus, three and two each of the first two weeks, six and four on the season. When the consensus was on the favorite team in a game, five and four this week, seven and nine for the season. When the contestants were more popularly on the underdog side of the game, it was four and two this week. Those selections were and a total of seven and six for the season. No pick'em games this week. For the season, the overall consensus of every game played, 14 winners, 17 losers. There was one game back in week one on which there was an even split between the uh, two sides in the game. This, uh, the leader in the contest right now, there are five contestants at a perfect 10-0, 32 contestants at 9-1. and one. The Super Contest Gold, which is the $5,000 buy-in winner-take-all contest. The consensus this past week, four and two, six games in there because there was a tie for the fifth most popular selection. Uh, again, the Browns, 71 to two out of the 117 contestants. That clearly was uh, an easy winner. Uh, the uh, second most popular selection, the Detroit Lions, they won and covered as an underdog against uh, the uh, uh, L.A. Chargers. Third most popular selection was a losing selection on the Minnesota Vikings plus three at Green Bay. Atlanta Falcons on Sunday night, the fourth most popular selection was a winning selection. And there was a tie for the fifth most popular selection. Ironically enough, the same two teams that tied for the second most popular selection in the big contest. And that was the Cowboys with a win and the Steelers with a loss. So we uh, include that in the results of the consensus. Four and two this week, uh, three and two last week, so seven and four. Uh, for the season. Not a large enough sample base to really at this point in the year to discuss much of a difference between uh, favorites and underdogs. So let's get over to the uh, brand new Circa contest. The one where I mentioned the point spread in that Monday night game was Cleveland minus six and a half over the Jets. A much more competitive point spread, notwithstanding the lack of competitiveness in, in the game itself. As a result, we saw a much more competitive uh, decision between the two teams. Uh, neither one a very popular selection. But 197 contestants uh, selected the Browns minus the 6.5. 182 contestants did take the 6.5 with the uh, New York Jets. As far as the top selection in the circuit contest uh, this past weekend, it was the Pittsburgh Steelers laying four at home to Seattle. That was a losing selection. Second most popular selection, the Dallas Cowboys. Once again, the two selections that tied for uh, uh, the popular select or tied as far as uh, popular selections in the other two contests uh, came out one and two here. The Cowboys uh, covering in their uh, contest against the Washington Redskins. Kansas City, the third most popular selection was a winner. 
Minnesota Vikings against the Packers. Fourth most popular selection was a loser, as was the Cincinnati Bengals, the fifth most popular selection. Uh, so that meant the consensus this week was two and three, bringing their record in the uh, 1,875 entries in that contest to four, five, and one on the season. Favorites eight and ten thus far when the contestants are on that side of the uh, of the uh, contest. Uh, eight and ten when they're backing favorites. Seven, four, and one when they're backing underdogs. 0-1 in the lone Pick'em game in that contest. One of the Pick'em games in the Westgate contest was actually a one-point uh, game in the Circa contest, and uh, one game was evenly split. So a decent, not outstanding start for uh, the major contest. As far as the Circa goes, they pay the top 10 places. Two contestants have started with a possible 9.5 of 10, with 9.5 out of a possible 10 points. Four contestants have 9 of a possible 10, and five contestants 8.5 out of a possible 10. Uh, that's uh, a lot of the uh, contest wrap-up from this past week. That's as thorough a wrap-up as you're going to hear from our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com of what's going on in Las Vegas and the major contests as they just started this 2019 football season here. And Andy, I know you've also got at your disposal some line moves that you've been aware of so far. And I don't know, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Have you seen the early lines from the Westgate for next week in the National Football League as well, if you've got those? Yes, I have, and we'll uh, try and put that in there every week because I know a lot of people uh, who have access to actually making plays like to see what these lines are uh, 10 days ahead of the games. And most importantly, it allows us to analyze what the adjustments are uh, based upon the results of a game uh, without significant injuries. For example, uh, the uh, Pittsburgh-San uh, Francisco game, you can't really analyze how much of uh, the adjustment from last week to after week two games were played are will be due to the or was due to the Roethlisberger injury versus the performance of both the 49ers and Steelers and the same goes for this week's game between the Saints and the uh, uh, Seattle Seahawks with the injury and the now absence of Drew Brees. Uh, I will mention in those two games that uh, Seattle was a one-point favorite last week when the line came up I was somewhat surprised considering the uh, pedigree of Drew Brees, that the line was only adjusted to Seattle, a minus four favorite. Now, the Rams did lose in uh, in L.A. to, uh, I'm sorry, the, the Saints lost to the Rams in L.A. Uh, how much would have affected with uh, Brees in there? How much it would have been affected if they didn't overturn that, uh, uh, that touchdown that the Saints had taken off the board? Uh, we don't know, but it seems like a very small adjustment to be made, and maybe the Lions makers telling us something about uh, that game that New Orleans maybe has a little shot, uh, more, more of a shot than we think in that game. Pittsburgh and San Francisco, the Steelers were actually a one-and-a-half point uh, road favorite coming into uh, last weekend's games. When the line came back up, uh, the 49ers were six-point favorites. That may be a little bit more of an adjustment than you would have expected simply due to the absence of Ben Roethlisberger. However, I think part of that adjustment uh, was due to uh, the fine play by San Francisco, again, winning both of their games on the road, winning at Tampa Bay and then very impressively at Cincinnati. So maybe a point and a half to two of that adjustment uh, resulted from San Francisco's performance, the balance of the adjustment resulting from Ben Roethlisberger's absence. And uh, although he looked fine, it'll be Mason Rudolph's uh, first start. And there's a big difference between between coming in in relief and starting a game. So we'll see what happens in that game. Perhaps the games that attracted the most attention uh, for this week because of the magnitude of the lines were the Jets at Patriots 
and uh, Dolphins at Cowboys. Last week, there was no line on either of those games. Uh, I'm sorry, on, on the Jets-Patriots game because uh, of some of the uncertain status. Uh, now, this was th- those these lines came out before we knew about Darnold, but I think just about the fact that we knew this was going to be a huge line and we didn't know what Miami was going to do in their contest down, uh, what New England was going to do down in their contest at Miami. When the line came out Sunday afternoon after the uh, Patriots had walloped the uh, Dolphins and before the Jets played on Monday night, Patriots opened a 16.5-point favorite. They were quickly bid up to an 18-point home favorite when the game came down prior to the Monday night game. When the Jets put in their performance against the Browns, the 23-3 loss, when that game was reposted on Tuesday morning, Patriots were bumped up 4.5 points to a 22.5-point favorite. Uh, That line had been bet as high as 23. I'm seeing now mostly 22.5s, although I am starting to see as we speak 23s and even a case locally here at a favorites place. 23 and a half. Miami and Dallas, that game was up last week. Dallas was already made an 18 and a half point home favorite against the Dolphins. Of course, the Cowboys were coming off their blowout win over the Giants in week one and the Dolphins off of their 59 to 10 home loss uh, to uh, Baltimore. Uh, When they took that game down prior to Sunday afternoon's play and uh, the game got put back up, surprisingly, the the Cowboys we're down to 16.5-point home favorites, despite the fact that they uh, won uh, at Washington and the Dolphins lost 43 nothing to the Patriots, possibly looking at the fact that maybe Miami at least was in the game at halftime, down only 13 nothing. I don't know that that said all that much about uh, Miami doing anything other than perhaps New England, New England just going through the motions in the first half. And then, of course, uh, Miami self-destructed after halftime. But when that game was reposted after Sunday's actions, uh, the uh, Cowboys were 16.5-point favorites. They've been since been bet up to 21.5-point home favorites over the Miami Dolphins uh, this week. Now, turning to week four, these are the uh, opening lines that, that came out noon Pacific time on Tuesday this week. The Thursday night game in week four, an attractive matchup, the Green Bay Packers hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. And again, remember, these are all coming out before the playing of any of the week three games. Packers two and a half over the Philadelphia Eagles. Carolina at Houston, the first game on the rotation on Sunday. No line because of the status of Carolina quarterback Cam Newton. Cleveland will be at Baltimore. Ravens, three-and-a-half-point home favorites. Interesting that they put that little hook up there. Cleveland, of course, entertains uh, the uh, uh, Los Angeles Rams on Sunday night while Baltimore goes in to uh, face the Kansas City Chiefs. Surprised they put it up at three-and-a-half, but I guess throughout the season, at least until proven otherwise or shown otherwise, the books are going to expect a lot of action coming in on the Cleveland Browns. So somewhat surprising that they offered that extra half point in the look-ahead line. Giants at home to the Washington Redskins. Uh, This line did come out after it was announced early Tuesday morning that uh, Daniel Jones would be replacing Eli Manning as starting quarterback for the uh, Giants. We don't obviously know how he'll perform this Sunday at Tampa Bay. Nonetheless, the Giants, two-point home favorites against Washington. Chargers at Miami. Any game involving Miami this year is going to attract a lot of intrigue because of the point spread. And this one, uh, we may look back and say it's not a head-scratcher. Chargers, 16.5-point road favorites at Miami. Oakland at Indianapolis. The Colts favored by six at home. Kansas City goes to Detroit, where the Chiefs 
are four-and-a-half-point road favorites. The New England Patriots may face their first legitimate test this season as they go up to division rival Buffalo. It'll be the third straight divisional game for the New England Patriots, and it'll be the Patriots favored by six-and-a-half at Buffalo. Atlanta will host the Tennessee Titans in an interconference matchup. The Atlanta Falcons installed as four-and-a-half-point home favorites. I can say right now I'm intrigued by taking those points with the Tennessee Titans. And I like the look of the uh, Titans team, even notwithstanding the loss last week uh, at uh, home to uh, Indianapolis. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams hosting the Tampa Bay Bucks. The Rams favored at home by nine and a half. Seattle will be at Arizona. The Seahawks in a division a NFC West divisional contest, minus three, minus one twenty at Arizona. An NFC Central matchup. Excuse me, NFC North matchup. I uh, remember that these divisions have changed. It's only been 17 years. I should know that by now. <laughs> Minnesota at Chicago. The Chicago Bears continue to get the love. They are minus three. This will be the second straight uh, game, a divisional game for the Minnesota Vikings, who are the uh, the uh, second in three weeks after uh, being at Green Bay in week two. Jacksonville at Denver. The Denver Broncos, three-point home favorites. The Dallas Cowboys, Sunday night at the New Orleans Saints. Of course, no Drew Brees. The Dallas Cowboys, as a result, two-and-a-half-point road favorites. And next Monday night, an AFC North battle. Cincinnati will be at Pittsburgh. The line, again, coming out knowing that Mason Rudolph will be the quarterback, barring injury this Sunday in San Francisco. Nonetheless, the Steelers three-and-a-half-point home favorites against the Cincinnati Bengals on Monday, September 30th, to conclude week four. A review of what's moved in Las Vegas, the lines this week, and a peak look ahead to the lines next week at the Westgate in Las Vegas from Andy Isco. And, Andy, if you can call them the AFC Central, I can call the Chargers still the San Diego Chargers. Is that a deal? Uh, <laughs> not only is it a deal, I've done it myself many times. I'm get, I am getting better with it, and I finally, in the NBA, have stopped calling them the uh, New Jersey Nets. They're now the Brooklyn Nets. It's only been about four or five years. Well, there you go. We're going to get it ingrained and down sooner than later. Andy, before I ask you for your complimentary play on the show this week, Victor, I know you got a question you'd like to run by Andy on the show as well. Thanks again, guys. Uh, basically, Andy answered my question, what was a Hall of Fame quarterback worth to the point spread when he talked about the line differences in the Saints-Seahawks game? Not so much. And in the Steelers-49ers game. Let me just get a comment. Andy, we're in week three of the NFL season, and already six teams in the NFL will be starting a different quarterback in week three than they did in week one. Are we seeing an epidemic of quarterback injuries? It may be more concentrated this year, but in years past, uh, we've seen them spread maybe a little bit out, a little bit more during the season. I don't recall this many this this early. Of course, I believe the only one that I that I can think of that was not injury related was the situation with the uh, New York Giants. But it does bring up a very important point that I think we should all remember next year when it comes to playing season win totals, and that is the risk of not just key injuries, but key early injuries. And what I mean by that is that it generally means that when you're looking to play season win totals, unless you've got a confident uh, backup quarterback, because that's really the one key position that's great, that's that has the greatest impact, you look under season win totals because almost any development that occurs throughout the season when it occurs to key players will be uh, negative. Now, you might argue that, for example, in the situation with Antonio Brown and New England, who started the, Antonio Brown started the season uh, with the Raiders, that you would have to think, despite the off-field issues and everything, a development like that 
would be considered a positive for New England, much like, for example, the acquisition prior to at the very start of last season of Khalil Mack by the Bears, and even the midseason trade from the Raiders to the Cowboys of Amari Cooper. Or those are the few examples of significant midseason acquisitions that are positive. Generally, the the uh, incidents that occur during the season will have more negative impact than positive impact. And that's something that we should think about when we make our season win total plays during the months of July and August. Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas joining us here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. And Andy, before I let you go, I know for sure our listeners would like to know what you've got on tap for your complimentary play this week. Well, I'm going to take a look. Uh, it hasn't done, hasn't gotten well the first two weeks, so I'm giving the NFL a third week before I start going and crossing over into the uh, Saturday games on uh, on college football. I'm going to look at the game between the Minnesota Vikings uh, this week and uh, uh, their contest as uh, they face the Oakland Raiders, who begin uh, the road trip from hell with five games away from Oakland in the next six weeks and that sixth week happens to be a bye week following their game in London against Chicago Raiders have done what we expected them or what I expected them to do I did expect them to beat Denver in week one did expect them to lose at Kansas City in week two and it was a somewhat ugly loss for Oakland all the scoring took place uh, for Kansas City in the second quarter Oakland got out to a 10 nothing lead and they gave up Four touchdowns to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in the second quarter. All four touchdowns came on lengthy touchdown passes. I believe it was between 27 and 44-yard completions. Uh, That does not augur well going up against a very solid Minnesota defense that has uh, played uh, well in the first couple of games of the season. Yeah, they they gave up that big play to open the game against Green Bay. Packers got out to a 21-0 lead and did not score again. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, the Minnesota Vikings have... uh, Kirk Cousins is better than a game manager, uh, but not someone who's generally going to win games for you, except in certain situations. I think he's going to have some ability to get some big plays against that, what's been a very leaky Oakland defense uh, this week, considering the fact that the Vikings have been so strong in running the football in their first two games, the win against Atlanta and the loss against Green Bay. They had well over 100 yards in uh, both of those games. In fact, I think over 150 in each of those games, and that includes the game against Green Bay where they were trailing, as I mentioned, uh, 21 nothing. Thing. Uh, Oakland uh, has had difficulty putting points on the board in their first two contests. I will give them some credit because they did face some pretty good defenses in the Denver Broncos. Uh, they didn't face as tough a defense against Kansas City, but they still had some difficulty. But now they're going up once again against a very good defense in the uh, Minnesota Vikings. The line, uh, basically, I'm showing uh, solid eights, maybe an occasional eight and a half. I'm looking for the Minnesota Vikings to rebound from what was a winnable game against Green Bay, a game in which they played well despite being down 21-0. I'm going to look for the Vikings to get a double-digit win at home against Oakland. Improved to 2-1 and one on the season. Dropped the Raiders to 1-2 and two as they head, I believe, off to Indianapolis in Week 4. Andy Isco on the Minnesota Vikings for his complimentary play on the football card this week. Andy, once again, a great job on the show this week. As always, I'm going to wish you the very best of luck this week. And I look forward to visiting with you next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Thanks very much, Mark and Victor. I'll do my studying, so I am totally aware of the uh, current uh, eight NFL (laughs) divisions for next week's show. Hey, we'll look forward to it, Andy. Have a great week, buddy. Thanks, guys. That was Andy Esco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I will share with you our awesome angle of the week and our complimentary plays 
when we're back with the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as an apple and g as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome angle of the week. All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week in college football this week, and we call it Help. That was a tune of a famous Beatles song, Help, and it's also from one of my black books that I published, one of our very best angles in the black book, and it applies this particular week. And what we're looking to do in college football is to play in any home team in game four of the season that is one and two on the year. If they were a bowl team last year, and they're coming off a win. These are teams basically, for all intents and purposes, that started 0-2, one game number three, were in a bowl game last year, and they generally bounce back to stay on the win track in game four. They've gone 31-12-1 against the spread since 1990. That's a 73% winning angle. And with that, we're going to look to play on the Miami of Florida Hurricanes against Central Michigan this week. With a caveat, the caveat being I know it's difficult to lay lumber like this, prohibitive favorites, but at the very least, you cannot play the dog in this game, play Miami of Florida or nothing for our awesome angle play on the card this week. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what Victor's got on tap this week. And Victor, if you would, your complimentary play for our listeners as well. Sure thing, Mark. Uh, good weekend for our football service. Combined college NFL plays went 6-2 and two last week. Uh, again, a nice rebound after a losing week one. And I'm going to throw out two totals that I like. I'm going to do that because, yeah, I did a little bit of waffling during our college football and NFL segments when I was lamenting the fact that a lot of the value had been sucked out of both plays. So with that said, Let's throw two out there. One is from the totals tip sheet, and we're going under the total in the Sunday night game, the Rams and the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland getting two nationally televised primetime games in a row. I bet the under at the opening line at 51, and guess what? It's down to 49, 49 and a half. It's already gone down. First off, we do want to point out that primetime games went a perfect 0-3 to the under last week, and in fact, through two weeks of the season, those nationally televised primetime games have now gone one and six over under. So in this particular game, we we have to note that the Rams were one of the top under teams on the road last season. And in fact, went one and six over under when favored by two or more points. They're currently laying a field goal in this game. Meanwhile, the Browns still one of the top under home teams. Their last 27 home games have gone 6, 19, and 2 over under, including a perfect 0 and 6 
in non-conference play when the over-under line is 39 or more points. And, of course, I do note that Cleveland's on short rest. We cashed a winner on Monday night with the Jets-Browns under the total. And our database tells us that NFL underdogs off a Monday road game have gone under the total 90% of the time in the last three years. Cleveland held the Jets to only three points in that Monday game. Two and 12 over under last three years. All NFL teams who allowed three points on the road in their last game. And, heck, we are aware that the Ram offense is in pretty good high gear to start the season. They scored 30 against Carolina in week one, 27 at home against the Saints last week. Here you go from the database, 0-7 over under last three years. NFL teams off back-to-back straight-up and ATS wins in which they scored 27 or more points like the Rams versus any 600 or less opponent in the Cleveland Browns. I agree with the line move. We're going under in the Rams-Browns game. And we got to finish it off with our boy Tuco. We're calling him 2-0 Tuco. We're calling him Tuco the Tormentor. Now, I'm calling him Tuco the Tormentor because, you know, when we got Tuco back in February, he was like eight pounds, little cute little eight-pound dog, and he was just about the same size as his older sister, Monkey, who is a dachshund and who is on the light side herself. But since then, Tuco has blossomed up. At last look, he was up to 33 pounds. He's about three to four times the size now of Monkey, He towers over her, and one of his favorite things that he loves to do is to grab his favorite toy in his mouth and run over to Monkey and take that toy and jam it right into her face, right into her mouth in a taunting fashion, in a tormenting fashion, in a look-at-what-I-got-you-can't-have-it fashion. So we're calling him now Tuco the Tormentor at home. And again, he's 2-0 on the season. With the wins on the Steelers over 25 points. And back in week one on the Chargers over 25 points. He's switching gears this week. He's going under the total. Oakland Raiders on the road against the Vikings. So this is a little bit of a tag team between Andy liking the Vikings minus the points. And our boy Tuco is playing Raiders under 17 points in this game. It's his first go-low of the season. Uh, Pissed-off Viking team, I might add. A great Minnesota defense, I might add. Let's not forget, they held Green Bay scoreless for the last 45 minutes of that Sunday loss. And a Minnesota team that's allowed only 13.5 points per game in the last two seasons as home favorites of 16 or less points. We can't forget that Oakland, the lowest-scoring road team in all of football last year when they averaged only 12.7 points in their eight road games. So there you have it. Rams, Browns under the total. Tuco's team total of the week, Oakland Raiders under 17 points. And for our King Creole service, we've got a selection in the Thursday night NFL game already up, available at playbook.com website. We'll have a college football over-under. We'll have an NFL four-star over of the week. Again, available at playbook.com. Best of luck. Don't forget the totals tip sheet newsletter, the playbook newsletter. And, of course, as Mark touched on at the beginning of the show, it's three newsletter time as the midweek alert also debuts this week. 
As Victor King from King Creole Sports, he goes under the totals in both the Rams-Browns game and the Vikings to go in their total game against the Raiders. The Raiders to go under 17 total points. That's the Raiders under 17 for a team total play from Victor King at King Creole Sports. Download that copy of the totals tip sheet this week. He swept the board last week. Log on at playbook.com to also find out what's going on this weekend at King Creole Sports. Before I get to my complimentary play on the card this week, I want to remind our listeners out there, it's never been a better time to get a $1,000 sign-up bonus from our friends at mybookie.ag. Simply log on now at mybookie.ag, use the promo code PLAYBOOK, or call 1-844-866-BETS. That's 1-844-866-2387 to get your $1,000 sign-up bonus at mybookie.ag. I'm also releasing my NFL five-star game of the month this Sunday. It's part of another $99 football weekend of winners where you can get it all at playbook.com or call me toll-free to register for the five-star NFL game of the month weekend of winners at 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the football card this week is the Louisville Cardinals will take the points against Florida State in this football game. Never have a problem fading Florida State, who ranks number 116 in the country, as I mentioned earlier, in penalties this year. That's the same Willie Taggart that was dead last in penalties last year with Florida State and a year before with Oregon is very undisciplined football team. They also happen to be just five and 10 in the stats in the 15 games that Willie Taggart has been the head coach of the Seminoles. They've been out yarded in 10 of those 15 games. It's why he's on the hottest of all hot seats in all of college football. And in fact, at the playbook.com website, you can check out the poll, our weekly fans poll and go vote for the coach. You think will be the first to be fired in college football. Willie Taggart currently running away heads and shoulders, that coach to be the first fired coach in college football. On the flip side, Louisville new head coach Scott Satterfield comes in. Satterfield has done a great job both at Appalachian State and thus far with Louisville. In his career, he's been really, really good on the road. He's won 19 of his 30 games straight up, beating the spread 18 times. Louisville, a perfect 3-0 and to the spread in the series and 3-1 and to the spread the last four games at Florida State will grab up the points of Louisville against a struggling Florida State team for our complimentary play on the show this week. And that's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports, our good friend Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas as he does each and every week. And for our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above. Until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence remind you to always remember to bet with your head not over it and good luck as always